Hi, my name is Bob Sander, and I'm a professional storyteller. For over 30 years, my repertoire has included a group of personal narrative stories. Some of these are childhood memories, stories lived when, well, basically when I was a knucklehead in training, so to speak. Other stories come from my college student era, and still others date from my time as a beginner parent. And you know, by then I was kind of a professional knucklehead. While I do tell personal tales that are, well, either too risque or too this or too that to include here, you know, if you come to dinner some night, we'll eat and drink and I'll, I'll spill the beans on all those stories. But this collection, this bunch makes the cut. So I hope you enjoy them. And as for truthfulness, well, just know that these stories are absolutely 100% as true as I can make them. Enjoy. Over the years, the most frequently asked question I ever got was this. How did you become a storyteller? Actually, I never set out to be a storyteller. I'd never heard of storytelling as a possible career. Then one day in the summer of 1983, a woman walked into the business I owned and operated with my partner, Sue Wagman. That business was a flotation center, which means we had flotation tanks. No, not the kind on the back of your toilet. It was the kind in which you float weightless in very saline body temperature water to achieve deep relaxation. How that business came about is another story entirely. Back to the walk-in customer. She had just arrived to begin her appointment, and before the session began, she casually asked me, What are you writing? You're always scribbling away at something when I come in here. Poems, I said. Poems and short stories and essays and such. Really? All right, then read me a story. I selected a brief story, and I read it to her on the spot. Wow, she said. That story was very, mm, average. But I love the way you read it. You should consider being a storyteller. Honest to God, this is really what she said to me, even though if you ask her today, she swears she does not remember saying that. But she did say it, and to me, those words meant exactly, well, nothing. All I knew about storytelling was little kids liked it before bedtime. And I thought her comment was kind of like what my mother used to call a backhanded compliment. No, no, she said, I didn't mean it as an insult. Listen, I'm a children's librarian at a local library, and I bring professional storytellers to my library all the time. Oh, yeah? What do they do? I asked. Well... I'm hosting a storyteller next week, she said. Why don't you come see for yourself? So, 8.45 the next week, I'm with Ellen. Ellen Munns, the librarian I'm telling you about. Anyway, we're at a local middle school. Seventh and eighth graders have filed into the school's small performance area for an assembly program. They are surly and hormone-ridden and pissed off and obviously would like to have us for breakfast. If only they had the right tools on hand to gut and cook us. The storyteller, Ellen's guest, 
is a diminutive fellow, early 30s, I'm guessing, short hair, slightly furtive eyes. Though in fairness, in front of that group, I figured I'd look like a deer in the headlights, too. After issuing the usual threats about bad behavior, the principal quickly introduced the storyteller, then retreated to his office. No need for him to stay and witness the slaughter, I thought. As soon as he left, the noise level went way up. I could see this wasn't going to be pretty. My heart rate quickened in sympathy for that poor guy. Maybe the kids had found those cooking implements after all. Then a remarkable thing happened. The storyteller walked straight out onto the middle of the stage and then came forward right to the very edge. And he leaned forward. He looked ready to fall into the front row. Everyone suddenly got perfectly silent. He looked around him and then with a conspiratorial look opened his mouth. Seemed like he was about to whisper a secret. Whatever that secret was, everyone wanted to hear it. As it turns out, it was a secret. A secret word. And the secret word he uttered, oh, so softly, was this. Once. For the next 45 minutes, you could hear a pin drop. Except, of course, during the moments when he asked us to join in a call and response or volunteer an answer to something in one of his stories. We complied immediately. Hard to believe, but there they were. 300 jaundiced middle schoolers in the palm of his hand for nearly an hour, listening oh so intently. And that's when I learned, I guess relearned is a better word, what storytelling really is, how powerful it could be, how delightful it is for both teller and listener. And I learned something else about storytelling that day, too. I learned I wanted to try it myself. I began to volunteer at a host of local venues, libraries, museums, parties, businesses, festivals, on and on. In the beginning, I worked anywhere. I wanted to learn the craft, and to do that properly, I needed experience in front of live audiences. Little by little, I started to get paid. That was nice. A few years later, my partner, Sue, mentioned I might have made more money telling stories the previous year than I did from our flotation center. My accountant said she was right. And I began to wonder if I should trod this most unlikely path become a full-time professional storyteller. I wasn't married, at least not yet. I didn't have any kids. I didn't have a big mortgage. And I didn't have any big debts. Maybe this was a time of life to try it. Still, I, I kind of wavered for a while. It seemed like such a long-shot idea. And then an odd coincidence made up my mind for me. Sue and I went to a national conference for people who ran or were otherwise involved with flotation centers. We both attended sessions and were also asked to be panel presenters at a closing discussion. I think the audience was about 500 people. At the very end of that panel presentation, we were asked to say some inspirational closing words. 
the audience was comprised of folks just like us who had chosen this very new experimental occupation. It held no great prospects for success. Most of us did the work because we believed in the potential good it might provide for others. So while we were speaking to the choir, yes, we were, so to speak, an audience is still an audience. Just because you work in the same profession doesn't mean they'll give you a pass as a presenter. What you say needs to be on the mark for that moment and for that group. I'll tell you what, I forget the exact number of us presenters. Might have been 10, might have been 15. I was really nervous. I'd become nervous because the session started way down at the other end of the stage. It dawned on me that I would be the last person to present. What if everyone else covered all the topics on my list? What would I talk about then? No, I thought the odds of that happening are too great. So, of course, that's exactly what did happen. One by one, all my ideas were covered by other speakers. And suddenly, it was my turn to speak. My hands sweat. My voice fell way down into the basement of my throat. We were at the end of the end of the end of the three-day conference. All eyes were on me, and my tank of inspirational thoughts was registering empty. I opened my mouth. I had no idea what to say. I started talking. Words fell out indiscriminately, unplanned. I said I remembered a story I'd read recently. It was about a man who had a dream. He was starving, but then he had a dream. I was just rambling. I had nothing more to offer in terms of business wisdom or experiences. I was just trying to get to that story. That, at least, was something I knew and could tell. Finally, I ended that kind of loopy introduction, and I entered the story. The story is called The Peddler of Balakadrim. Midway through telling that Irish folktale, something happened, something that I'd never experienced before. The audience became entranced, stock still, eyes locked on me, faces frozen. They were looking at me, but it wasn't me they were seeing. They were instead living, painting, creating interior scenes that matched the words I was supplying. They were lost and altogether gone into the world of that story. To tell you the truth, it was rather unnerving. I'm not sure why I didn't choke at that moment. Beginner's luck, I suppose. Instead, I was able to cast the whole tale out in front of us until the very last words were spoken. And it was clear that they were the last words. But nothing happened. No applause, no movement, nothing. The strange silence might have lasted for five seconds, but it felt much longer. And then, in an equally strange reaction, as if released from a spell, everyone sprang to their feet and erupted in thunderous applause. Afterwards, people were generous with accolades as we were leaving the hall. The whole experience made me realize two things. One was this. As a storyteller, if you choose the right story for the right audience at the right moment, and if you tell that story because you love it and want to share it with them like the gift that it is, 
and the story will succeed and it will carry you and it will carry the audience to a place of grace every time. And the second thing I realized was this. I'm ready and the path is clear. I'm going to become a storyteller.